Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend, Chapter 10. Filthy Henry sat at the kitchen table with his mug of coffee and stared across at Cahill. Cahill stared back, eyes wide with fear, like an unruly teenager in the principal's office. From time to time, he would look down at his hands, pick at something under a fingernail, then look back at the fairy detective, clearly in the hope that he was no longer being stared at. This hope was instantly dashed as the staring continued. What do you mean you sold the bull? The fairy detective asked, taking a long, slow sip from his coffee. Um, uh, 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 Cahill began. Stop trying to use vowels solely to communicate and answer the bloody question. Filthy Henry took another sip from his coffee, this time slurping it deliberately to get on Cahill's nerves. He always found people tended to speak more when they got annoyed, which was one of the main reasons the fairy detective secretly loved annoying people. It was always nice to be able to mix business with guilty pleasure. Fine, Cahill said, sitting back into his chair. I needed money, all right. There'd be no farmhand work for a few months, and I was dying for a drink. Joe Murphy had come around for years when my dad was alive to feed that stupid bloody bull, which had been somehow in the family for generations. He offered me 300 euro, cold hard cash, up front, no questions asked, and I took it, all right. I already got the ear burned off me by my mother, so just don't bother. Filthy Henry set his cup down and started to drum his fingers on the cover of the large leather book from Drew's store on the table. You're telling me that you, a certifiable idiot, didn't think that a bull which had been alive for a few years might be worth more than 300 euro. Do you know the average lifespan of a bull? Cahill shrugged. I don't know, 10 years? Filthy Henry was impressed that Cahill had even come close to the correct answer. Eh, not far off. It's actually 15, give or take. So now the question is this. How long was that bull in your family for? Silence reigned supreme as Cahill stared up into the corner of the ceiling, just above Filthy Henry's head and thought. It was most likely difficult for him to fully think back, given how badly his brain was damaged from years of drinking. But Filthy Henry decided to give him a few minutes. Picking up his mug once more, the fair detective waited for an answer. Um, Cahill said. Use your words. Okay, okay, Cahill said. I dunno, this can't be right. I must be remembering it all wrong or something. Got to be an old family joke. How long? Cahill looked back at the fairy detective. Maybe over a hundred years. At least that's the story that my granddad used to tell me when I was a kid. But he had to be pulling my leg, right? I mean, I figured 40 years was just our bull being special, like a whale or something. Filthy Henry slowly shook his head from side to side. No, that's what I was telling you the other night, when it was just us in the house. You really are going to save the world, and you did actually have in your possession a magical bull, which you bloody sold for 300 euro. The fairy detective stood up from the table and walked over to the kitchen sink, pouring out the remainder of his coffee. Behind him he heard Cahill sigh 
Crap. I could have gotten a lot more than just 300 euro for it. Filthy Henry groaned and started counting to ten. The fact that Cahill had sold the bull made things slightly more interesting. It was going to be hard enough to prepare Cahill to fight the forces of evil, without the added complication of trying to find the bull he was meant to be protecting. Why in the name of Dagda did you agree to work with us at all? Aside from the hope that it showed Alice you were worth her time. Well, the story sounded interesting, if it was true, Cahill said. Plus, I didn't exactly have any work on for this week, and no money for drink. I figured I'd see if you lot were on the level. Maybe stay out of the pub. The fairy detective turned around, leaned against the kitchen counter and crossed his arms. So you thought it'd be a nice distraction for a few days, to play what you thought was make-believe? Carl shrugged. I don't actually have a telly, he said. And now that you've figured out the bull was actually magical and one from the story? Cahill scratched behind his ear looking thoughtful. Well that, and the whole making my door disappear for a few hours. I guess you have to be on the open up, right? At least about some of it. But now you know I don't have the bull. Does that mean it's Murphy who you really want? Just go and train some more, Filthy Henry said, walking back over to the kitchen table and sitting down. Go for a run or something. Maybe go ruin Shelley's day. She'd love that. Just leave me with my book, so I can figure out how to make you useful. More importantly, so I can see if you just screwed us over by selling the bull. Carl went to say something, paused before the first word came out, clearly thought better of it and stood up. He left the room. Filthy Henry pulled over the ancient book which Drew had brought and began to flick through the pages. In it was a lot of the usual drivel that wound up being legends from the old days. Tales of amazing feats that no mortal could ever truly achieve with that little help from magical friends. Deeds of such heroic valour that they made action movies seem like school plays. Dashing men and beautiful women doing romantic things that would make even the most degenerative people blush. He skimmed over the pages, ignoring 90% of what was written, in search of information on the hurly-stick of Cúchulain. A true artefact. Artefacts, complete with a capital first letter had always fascinated Filthy Henry for a variety of reasons. For starters, nobody knew where they came from. Fairy folk could not create them because doing so would be in direct violation of the rules, should the creator be discovered. Not to mention attempts in the past that generally resulted in the untimely and sometimes grisly death of the fairy. Humans were unable to make them because they would need near godlike magical abilities to infuse the artefact with any power at all. Any human with that level of magic naturally would have no need of an artefact. The most ancient of the fairy races said that artefacts came into existence when required, forged by the unseen forces of magic. They had no creator, no true owner. When the balance was in jeopardy, an artefact appeared to help tip the scales back. A second interesting fact about artefacts, perhaps even more interesting than their origins, was how the magic contained in them worked. Artifacts were not like charms. Charms were normal objects, sometimes purposely carved to look nice and mystical, that had spells stored in them for later use. Simple spells that needed no extra magic, such as protection charms. The spell was activated, and the charge in the charm expired. Anybody could use them, and since no charm could be made with truly great power stored in it, the rules were never broken. Artifacts, on the other hand, contained vast amounts of power. 
magic in its most raw form. If they got into the wrong hands, things could get chaotic quickly. Yet the artefacts themselves prevented this from happening. They appeared for a single person to use, allowed that person to save the day using magic that humans otherwise had no access to, then stopped working. Not exhausted of power, far from it. There were many stories of heroes using artefacts multiple times, years apart. But the artefacts seemed to keep the hero from going mad with magical power. They showed up, did a single job, then allowed the human to go back to a normal life. If required again, the artefact simply turned the magic back on. More importantly, artefacts never showed up for fairy folk. Whoever or whatever created them intended for humans to be the ones required to keep things in check, further limiting the chance that an artefact could be abused. It was all amazing when you thought about it. Filthy Henry had always wanted to see an artefact up close, a working one. Not one which was dormant and never likely to burst into magical life again. He had long held a theory that the reason artefacts worked so well was based on blood. Once the right person's blood was dedicated, the magic would activate. Sometimes it required the person to say some phrase or be in a certain location at a given time for the power to really unlock. But it still had to be the right person holding the item at the end of the day. Cahill clearly had no artefacts close to hand. Even a dormant one should have given off some trace of magic that the fairy detective figured would be detectable. This had to mean that the artefact Cahill Cullen was destined to use was the original one his ancestor had fought with. Cucullan's hurdy stick had not vanished from the face of the earth. And, it had to be assumed, would work for his descendants just as it worked for him. Powered by Cucullan's blood in their veins, passed on through the ages like a magical cold. The only problem with the artefact, aside from the fact it was a slight gambit it would work for Cahill at all, was collecting the damn thing. Presumably the hurley had been buried with its owner all those years ago. This was the reason Filthy Henry had been scanning through Drew's book. He had to find the resting place for one of Ireland's greatest heroes in order to retrieve the hurley stick. But artefacts, according to the legends, could only be wielded by humans. Anyone with magic in their blood, mainly meaning fairy folk, could not touch an artefact without it rejecting them. Rejection in a very real and powerful way. It was like the artefacts knew they were meant to help humans only not give a superpowered injection of magic into a fairy race. Some old scrolls, which Filthy Henry had read long ago, spoke about a red man who had tried his luck picking up an artefact that was just about to activate. The moral of that scroll was, the red man became a red stain very quickly. Chances were fairly high that a half-fairy, half-human, such as Filthy Henry, would trigger this rejection protection as well, which meant the fairy detective more than likely could not go to collect the thing. He had already decided to send Drew and Shelley on the little magical egg hunt, since they were doing nothing else useful around the place. It also limited the chances of Cahill accidentally unlocking the artifact's powers, without some adult supervision around. But it did raise a problem for the fairy detective, one which he would rather have avoided. Shelley. Shelley had died just short of a year ago while working a case with Filthy Henry. Their first one together. The fairy detective had viewed this as something of a public relations disaster and used magical means provided by the King of the Leprechauns to bring her back to life. Since Shelley's revival from the Land of the Dead, her blood now contained a hint of magic, 
not enough to allow her to cast any spells. In fact, it was barely the right amount to allow her fairy vision to work without the assistance from Filthy Henry. But magic was still magic at the end of the day. If she tried to touch the artifact, it would reject her and that could only lead to questions. Questions which Filthy Henry had done a stellar job of not answering, or even hearing over the past few months. After all, how did you explain to someone you considered a friend that they had actually died and been brought back to life? Worse still, how do you tell that person they'd been lied to ever since coming back? Not to mention there was the slight chance the Hurley could harm her when its protection spell kicked in. Filthy Henry finally found the story he sought and stopped on the last page. The one that described the location of Ku Cullen's burial site. It was a little vague on the details, but there was enough in it for Shelley and Drew to at least try to find the spot. All that he had to do was make sure that Drew did not let Shelley touch the hurley stick. Maeve stared at Trug and Null as the crone smeared some foul-smelling black paste over their wounds. Neither man looked seriously injured, at least not to the degree that would excuse them returning without the bull. Then again, men tended to fail where a single woman would be able to achieve greatness. When she finally had both bulls in her possession, there would be some serious changes regarding the genders in the world. Men would learn who was really the weaker sex. I don't see how this changes things, the Queen said as Lauren shuffled back over to her bubbling cauldron in the middle of the hovel. The crone sat down on her three-legged stool and picked up the large wooden spoon. With it held firmly in her right hand, she started to stir the contents of the cauldron once more. Maeve was fairly sure at this stage Lauren was only doing this to fit into the character of being a witch. There was no earthly reason that a cauldron of bubbling goop had to be constantly kept moving. You're still bound by the rules, the crone said to Maeve. Nobody is above them. They were put in place long ago for the benefit of both fairy and man. But there's no champion this time, the queen said, getting frustrated. Noel and True went to barter for the bull and were sent back. That counts as the initial attempt, just like before. Last time we invaded and had to battle a champion. So why can we not just take the bull now? This new owner isn't even connected in any way to the boy's descendants. Lauren mulled it over. You might be right, actually, the crone said. The rules were clear. You need to do the initial attempt. But the champion has made himself known soon after last time. What if we just steal it now? True said. Like go. Get in the car. Be back here before night time with the bull. Everyone in the room turned and stared at the large man. Maeve had long considered Noll to be the brains of that particular partnership. On the battlefield, Noll was always one step behind True, allowing the muscular man to swing wide with his battle axe, while the shorter man stabbed enemies. It had been a pairing that worked well. True rarely had to consider an attack from behind, and Noll never had to look at something dangerous head on. Yet now here was True, speaking aloud and with what could be a workable plan. Even Noll was clearly taken aback at a sudden outburst of cognitive work. What? was all the short man could manage. Trug shrugged. I just saying is all. We've done the whole asking thing. The witch says that the champion might show up. But until he does, we're free to do what we want, I reckon. What's to stop us from just taking the bull before any hero comes along to ruin things? We can get a trailer or a horse box or something from town. 
drive up to the field and steal the bull when nobody's looking. We could probably just attach some rope to the ring on its nose and hitch it to the back of the car. Noel slowly turned to look at Maeve. They both then moved their gaze over to Lauren. The crone stopped stirring her cauldron's contents and looked from Maeve to Noel and back again. That might just work, she said after a minute of silence. You're in limbo at the minute. Nobody has declared from the other side. No emissary has been in contact with me. Technically we're in a situation the rules didn't take into account. You think so? Maeve asked, half afraid that asking the question would somehow make the plan vanish. The crone nodded a number of times and once again started to stir. Why not? It's an in-between loophole. We don't even know if the champion is aware you've returned to take the bull. They may not come and challenge you at all. So until they show up, I say you do as the big one suggests and just steal the bull. What's to lose? Maeve grinned. Drew could tell Shelley was annoyed with Filthy Henry. Again. In fact, it might have been fair to say that she was always in a state of annoyance with the fairy detective. With little breaks to allow her to be outright angry with him. Right now her annoyance with Filthy Henry centred around Shelley's dislike of being used. In her own words, as a glorified courier service. Why can't you bloody go and collect it? She demanded, her arms crossed as she glared at Filthy Henry in the kitchen. Because I'm busy trying to call, Filthy Henry said. Isn't that right, Carl? From the forlorn figure draped over the sofa cushions, a mumbled reply came. He's doing fine, Filthy Henry said with a smile. He's a disaster, is what he is, Shelley said. And he can hear you talking like he's deaf, Carl said from the sofa. I'd stay out of this if I was you, Drew advised Cahill. Shelley marched over to the fairy detective and started prodding him in the chest with her fist. Something Drew had never seen anyone do before. Usually, it was always a finger. A fist must have meant that the person doing the prodding was really serious about things. I'm not some lackey that you can just send to collect crap whenever you want, Shelley said. Her fist bumps had clearly gotten stronger, as Filthy Henry started to back away from her a little. Me and Drew are meant to be here helping you get that sad sack ready. And so far all I've done is go back to get your bags. Now you want me to go and get a hurley stick. But it's a magic hurley stick, Filthy Henry said, swatting away at her fist to prevent the next thump. I'm not just sending you down to the sports shop in town to get any old chunk of wood. Magic hurley stick. And what are you going to do while I'm off traipsing about the place looking for some stupid holy grail? Filthy Henry frowned. He turned to look at Drew. Am I not saying it right or something? It's not a cup or a shield or a wooden movie prop mixed in with a bunch of really cool metal fake grails for you to choose wisely. It's a hurley stick. That's magic. How can you not want to go and collect it? Shelley thumped him a few more times in the chest. Drew the Druid had to admit, seeing the fairy detective on the receiving end of Shelley's attacks was immensely satisfying. Having gotten more than his own fair share of punches from the woman, it was nice to see everyone else suffer. Even better when it was the robbing, lying, backstabbing, word-playing charlatan Filthy Henry. Ouch! Knock it off already, Filthy Henry said as he feebly grabbed Shelley's wrists and held her fists at bay. You aren't going out on your own. Drew's going with you. 
Also, the pair you need to drop by this Murphy guy Cahill sold the bull to. Warn him, people are coming for it. We need him to be on guard at least. I think we're still good with the plan. Nobody can take the bull without first fighting Cahill. Although, warning Murphy isn't the worst idea in the world. The look Drew saw on Shelley's face could have been the Alpha and Omega of all such dirty looks. She made some dismissive noise under her breath, shook free of his grasp, then turned on the spot and glared at the druid. Outside in five minutes, she said before storming out of the room. I should have cooled off by then, but be prepared just in case. The druid watched her leave then looked over at Filthy Henry. Well, she seems like delightful company, he said. Filthy Henry picked up a sheet of paper from the kitchen counter and walked over to Drew. He handed it to the druid. Here's directions to the three most likely spots for Cullen's burial site. Based off the legends, and some random bits I found from the other books you brought, chances are the hurley stick was buried with him, it being his signature weapon and all that. Drew took the sheet and read over the instructions. Seems simple enough. Why are you sending us both? The fairy detective paused for a minute. Something Drew had never seen him do before. Generally, he was annoyingly verbose on all matters and topics with a quip or barbed insult to fire out as well. Whatever happens, you're to carry the hurdy stick at all times, got it? Okay, but isn't that rather old-fashioned? The fairy detective stared directly into Drew's eyes. Shelley is under no circumstances to touch that hurdy stick. Understand, if you can do that, you can make sure that only you physically hold the hurdy stick until it's returned here. I'll... Drew frowned as the fairy detective seemed to have some intense internal debate within himself for a minute. I'll settle my bill at your store, with actual money, he said finally. Sometimes a person can hear something with their ears, but for whatever reason their mind mixes up the message. This can lead to hilarious stories involving clear instructions being given but totally misunderstood. At that moment, Drew was completely sure he had not heard what had actually just been said by the fairy detective. Under no circumstances would Filthy Henry ever have declared he would settle a bill. Using real currency, and not just his usual magically created, completely disappears in a few hours fake money. For that statement to actually be made by the fairy detective, it could only mean one thing. He was being deadly serious about something. But now the real question was, why? What could make Filthy Henry, Ireland's foremost robbing swine, offer to pay for everything he had taken out of Drew's store? Drew thought for a minute. It was clearly something to do with Shelley. And being a druid, Drew had heard whispers on the magical grapevine about something that had happened involving her. But there was no way it could be true. Obviously this hurdy stick that they were being sent to get was dangerous and Filthy Henry just wanted to risk Drew's life instead of Shelley's. Then again, the opportunity of being paid all that he was owed was too good to resist. So, you're going to pay me everything you owe me, with real cash, if I just don't let Shelley touch the hurley stick? Filthy Henry nodded once. No questions asked. You get paid in full. Even for all the hazelnuts I've stolen. So long as she never lays a finger on that stick, if she does, all bets are off. Got it? Drew smiled from ear to ear like a cat who had got the cream. He reached out and grabbed Filthy Henry's right hand, giving it a firm shake. Only a madman would turn down a request so simple but so rewarding. 
You absolute slime ball. You've got yourself a deal, the druid said. He carefully folded the paper and put it into a pocket in his hoodie, then left the room in search of his grumpy co-searcher. Filthy Henry, Accidental Legend is a novel by Derek Power. More Filthy Henry novels are available to buy on Amazon Kindle. Narration and music by Niall Milton. To keep up to date with episodes this season, why not subscribe or like or share? We'd really appreciate it.